I am Barrington Brennan, a counseling psychologist and marriage and family therapist, with your daily relationship nugget. This is part three in the series, Things to Remember When Confronting Someone in Grief. Things to Remember When Confronting Someone in Grief. Everyone listening would have known or knows someone who has died or perhaps at this moment very ill to the point of death. It's very difficult. Many times we have wondering what to say, what I cause pain, or sometimes we don't care or we don't think it's important to know. We're just saying what's on our hearts and it's wrong. So and sometimes we give vague support. Office of Support, as I mentioned in another episode. Let me know when you need my help. <laughs> no, instead of saying, can I come next week and take you to the bank or help you buy your groceries or so forth like that? You know, and can I come and help you clean up your apartment? So don't offer vague support, you know, vague offers of support, and don't make judgmental statements. Um, I, I thought you'd be upset and making statements like you should get over it now and so forth. Not good. So let's continue. What about religious statements? Now now we're getting into a very deep part of this series. This is part three on the topic Things to remember when confronting someone in grief. Even if you know that the person is religious or Christian or whatever it's still better to steer clear of religious statements. A person's relationship with faith is deeply personal, especially when it comes to faith and loss. No matter how religious someone is, it's what God wanted, or even they're in a better place now, is <laughs> just another version of a bright side comment, and it can have exactly the wrong effect. The grieving person may indeed find comfort in their faith at this time, but they may just as easily be struggling with it, and it is best to avoid expressing your sympathies through the lens of religion. <laughs> I know that's shocking some people. Instead, focus on honoring their loved one's life and their qualities. He was such a wonderful man, or she spread happiness wherever she went. I, I, I just, I'm just uncomfortable when some people say, God knows best to someone who is grieving. <laughs> In reality, Supreme God does always know best what to do or what has happened. But I think we often take the blame from Satan and put it to God about death when we make such a statement. God knows best, and that's very painful. We're making God look bad. We forget there's a great controversy between Christ and Satan, death and life. And sometimes it appears that death may have won. Like when a 16-year-old or 30-year-old vibrant life gets killed by bullets on a traffic accident. Did the person die too soon? <laughs> My personal belief isn't 
that yes, you can die too soon. <laughs> when we say no, that's God's plan, we, we, we take it out of Satan's clutches and put it in God's own. Now, now, it doesn't mean dying too soon is that the person has lost, has been lost spiritually. No, no, no. It's just all about the reality of life. And, and it's so important we try to learn what to say and what not to say and how to behave when someone is in deep pain from loss. So therefore you would avoid saying, at least at the time of great loss, God knows best. So let's look at another area. It's about making assumptions. In our effort to relate to the person, it is very easy to slip into saying things like, you're doing so well. They wouldn't have wanted you to feel so sad. Or even, I know how you feel. The truth is, you don't actually know any of these things, and assuming you do will make the person feel misunderstood. See, we're dealing here with making assumptions. Many people also assume that someone who is grieving will only want to talk about the, their grief, which is certainly not always the case. Everyone needs a break from the heaviness sometimes. Follow the person's cues and don't linger on the subject if it seems like they are asking you to help take their mind off of it for now. Be sensitive. Be aware. Okay? Sometimes just your actual presence is enough. I don't know if you remember the last episode in part two. I shared a fellow colleague who came into a home uh, after I was there and my wife for a little while. We were just standing there in silence with everyone in shock as they cried, as they whatever. And I thought from my my standpoint, not yet being a professional mental, mental health professional yet, but someone training grief that will be best. I keep quiet after giving all the greetings. But this other colleague came in and he couldn't wait three minutes before he had to take out his hymn book and say, let's sing a hymn. And wow, I started boiling inside. I couldn't even sing. He, I said to myself, could he just read the room and feel the tension? And what is really needed now? Just comfort. A hymn may not be comforting. Talking may not be comforting at that time. Just silence. And I was correct. It really changed the mood. And, and some people did sing and some didn't sing. But we lost that opportunity to really connect to the one who was mourning. Because he thought this is the best way to do it. So we go in with our canned, planned program. Here, come in, we're going to sing a hymn, we're going to pray, and we go. <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. Here's another experience of mine. I was visiting a member. This is literally about 30 years ago in the Bahamas, in the hospital. And when I pushed open the door of the person's private hospital room, there were three ladies dressed in all white, praying and shouting and screaming, Praying to the Lord, they said, for this dear lady. They had their hands on her forehead. My eyes, on her eyes, that's the sick person, 
saw each other. But I didn't go in. I said, let me leave these persons, go visit someone else and come back. I came back in 15 minutes. Another group of people were there praying, praying, praying and screaming and praying. And said, I leave again. And I came back. Believe it or not, listeners, another group of people were again the third group within half an hour praying and screaming, be healed to this woman in the hospital bed. I wish the hospital had better rules at the time. So what did I do when I come in? I had to think. I had to think. I, when I came in, I went to the lady. She was literally exhausted. Uh, she was sweating a little bit because she had just experienced three long episodes of praying and screaming and shouting from visitors. What did I do? Do you know I did not pray? She had enough prayer. What would my prayer do at the time other than taking her hands, comforting her, and letting her know that I am there for her? I did not pray. That's how I felt about it at the time. So let's be caring. Let's be sensitive. Let's be understanding. And so we can know things to do when comforting someone in grief. So you're listening to part three, and I want you to tune into part four the next time for this topic, things to remember when comforting someone in grief. I'm Barrington Brennan, and I'm doing my best to keep a smile on your heart.